Well, good morning. It's a bit of a wet one, but I'm going off today to talk to Gerald Daly. So, the next time you're here, it'll be me and Jackie approaching the door. On my way, I got a text to say, sadly, Macca won't be with us today because he's had to be called away on an errand. But Maria's been brilliant. She's going to step into the breach, support her father, and also give us some insight into some amazing Draco stories, I'm hoping. So we're going up Maria's drive now. It's a little bit windy, slightly wet in the air, but hopefully, hopefully all will be well. So we're just approaching her doorway now. Come on, Jackie. Here we go. Hang on a second. Wait a second. Where's the doorbell? There we go. Hi, Tiggy. Good morning. How are you doing this morning? All I'm right? very well, thank you. Come on in, Dad's here. Oh, is he good? Yep, all well, ready to go. Fantastic. Well, get the coffee on. I will do. I'll just get Jackie's harness off and we'll join you in a minute. We are in Maria Millard's beautiful kitchen. She has a wonderful house. The nice thing about this podcast is I get to see inside people's houses and she's kindly looking after us today. Uh, Gerald is sitting on my right-hand side. I've got my guide dog under the table, so if there's any scratching, it's not Maria, it's the dog. So let's, let's get going. I should also just say that we're obviously still under COVID restrictions and we are all meeting the guidelines and social distancing. Um, so we're all safe as, safe as houses. So let's get going. Gerald, welcome um, to, to Dregot Darius and Maria. First of all, Gerald, I think it's very rude to ask a man his age but would you give us a sort of vague idea of, of where we are with your years? No secret, 86. Well, I can't see very much, but from what I can see, you look a lot younger than that. <laughs> now, Gerald, how long have you been in this village? Where were you born? I was born at Cocklet. I moved to Drake and in the first two or three days I've been born, I've been there ever since. Okay. And the Dallies, were the Dallies here for generations or were you first generation Dally? We were the first generation. And what did your father, what was your father and indeed your mother's work, but what, what was your father involved in? I think, it's, I think it's rather similar to something I might be doing now. That's why I think it would be lovely a to hear about it. A freelance journalist. A freelance journalist, reporter for the Western Papers and the Welsh Papers and the Bristol Papers. So did that mean he was travelling around Somerset yeah. quite a bit? Yeah. That's why they moved to Draycott, because my granddad could then, great-granddad, could then catch, sorry, my granddad could then catch the bus, because living in Cockley, there's no bus service. That's right, isn't it? Yeah. And was that going to Western Supermare? Is that where the paper was based? Yes. And In the boulevard, the Western Mercury, and he's still, still going now. Yeah. So, Gerald, let's find out a little bit about your childhood. So, you moved to Draycott, clearly, when you were yeah. a wee, wee baby. Were you uh, at school here, or where? Wh what was your path of education? My first school was at Draycott Primary School, which is in the same place as it was when I went to school. It's been upgraded a bit with the toilets and that, because that was very primitive. And then I moved to Cheddar at 11, to the... Um, what was it called? Hannah Moore you went to? Yeah, Hannah Moore Senior School up there. And the headmaster was Mr Ivor Williams. 
Um, so the kings of Wessex presumably no, no, didn't exist that. then. And he said, and uh, we used to travel from picked up here in Goff, Cherubine. Goff was the firm in Cheru had coaches, but we used, we used to ride in the Cherubine with a canvas roof. And in the summer you could roll the canvas roof back right over in your open mare, sat up in your open mare. And the driver's name was Jimmy Crandon. So for a child, that must have been great fun, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. And how many of you would go off on a daily basis? About a dozen pupils from here, yeah. Okay. And when you left school, what profession did you go into? Farming. Farming, okay. And my uncle's farming at Cochlear. Yeah, and you were 14. 14. Wow. And was that quite usual in those days for, for children to start work as early as 14? Yes, I would have thought so, yeah. And, that, and you said when we had a little chat earlier that one of the first jobs you did was, was that a particular type of drilling that you did for a company? No, that, that was, I stayed on the farm till... 1961, when I was born. When Marie was born. And then I went on for Clements's in Easton, and they had a, work, a world boring equipment, and we used to drill on different places. In Drakeit, we'd done one for Adrian Baisley in that big field that Mike Parsons got now, on parallel over the road. We'd done one for Arnold Baisley down at where Rob Sartell lives, next to the garden centre, bored for water. And we found water, and they supplied water in the strawberries and water in the vegetation and all that. Okay, so did you get involved in the strawberry growing yourself? Yes, yes, I grew strawberries for many years. And do you remember, because for me, as a, a very much an incomer, I've only been in the village for 20 years, do you remember the strawberry line? And Do you remember yes, taking yes. strawberries and, yes. and the merchants meeting up by the, um, the memorial? Is that right? Didn't, didn't the merchants meet up at the card the Card Trust Memorial, for, uh, talk about strawberries, and then they went off on the train. Can you remember or make no, that clearer all, for All me? the strawberries went from the station down here by train, and then when the beaching was axed, the railway, they went by lorries. And a bloke by the name of Jim Richmond, he was a local person, he had lorries, open flatbeds, and we used to load them up in wooden crates, 32 punnets per tray, and we used to stack them up and we stand on the pub wall to put the top ones up because we you couldn't reach them from the ground. So we stand on the wall and then leave them on to the lorry then. And he used to leave, say, 11 o'clock, half past 10 at night, and they'd be in Liverpool Market next morning for wow. Seoul or, or Manchester, Bradford, anywhere like that. When I talked to Andrew Seeger recently, and Chris yeah. Seeger, they were saying that the reason they used the train for a while was supposed to have a slightly smoother passage for the strawberries. Yeah. But clearly these lorries took over and, yeah. and were clearly very yes, efficient. Only it didn't work very successful. When the train finished, I was one of the founder members, there was about six growers got together and we formed Cheddar Growers. So we had a firm then come from Trowbridge, I think it was, a transport company, and they come down and hauled the strawberries for us. But it wasn't very successful because They've been used to doing ordinary transporting, but when you put strawberries on a, a vehicle, the suspension got to be good because you shake like that in the punnets. When they arrive up in somewhere, they weren't good. So we didn't, that didn't last very long. 
Okay. Okay. Strawberries were all quite bruised on arrival. Yeah, and we used to reach We went down to Jim Richmond, and he he would go up to Liverpool, to Liverpool, and get back here about mid morning, and then he'd go to bed then. Wow, that's yeah. that's going some. On the subject of the strawberry line and strawberries, which obviously were the were the main you know the main industry, so to speak, of, of Draycott, and I love the fact it's known as the strawberry capital of the world here, and also very good, isn't it, because yeah. of where our drainage is that comes straight off the Mendip yeah. and then out to the levels. I'm always interested when I walk around the village about the shops because since I've been here, there's only been one shop, which yeah. is now a fantastic community shop that I know, Maria, you work yeah. as a volunteer. Um, I do. You do, and you give a lot of your service to that. Can you give me, Gerald, an idea of what other shops used to be here? Right, certain, we had three grocery shops, a post office, a full-time baker, by the name of Baker Hill and his daughter. That was opposite the shop, nor less, just opposite London House. It's called the bakery, now the person up in there. Fish and chip shop, a butcher, a cobbler. Later on, we had a hairdresser. And we had a hairdresser. Oh, and you had the greengrocers. And I had a greengrocer shop. Ah, and where was your greengrocer shop? In Laxton House. If you went and walk up the road, or Rob got the road, we're... Um, Annabelle, no? Annabelle lives there, yep. and Peter. Yeah. There's a shed, they keep the car underneath. Well, to the left of that, that was a little shed, so that's where I moved from. I've lived, moved three times in the village. Ah, okay. And I grow a lot of stuff like I do now in the back of the garden, which was, well, I got the bungalow there now, so I ain't got so much room. But I used to sell my own fruit and veg there. Ah, and the in fish... In this little shop. Ah, and sorry. then I used, but I couldn't grow myself, I used to go to Bristol Market, get up early and drive to Bristol Market, wholesale market, and bring stuff back, sell that in the shop as well. Wow, that's a lot of work. Yeah. And, and just then to, go to work. Oh, yeah, of course, of course. Mm. Uh, and for those <laughs> just who are listening to this who are local, uh, just to give you the geography, that the fish and chips shop, which um, I got very excited about, was where the Dennings used to live. Well, yeah. they still do live yeah. out there. There's a, do- a doctor and his partner yeah. living there yeah. at the moment. Yeah. And uh, who ran the shop and the post office? Did you tell me there were some sisters that ran Three there? sisters. Mrs. Hellstone, Delcy Spencer, they never married. Delcy Spencer and Marjorie Spencer. They were all Spencers, but one um, married Mr. Hellstone, so the other two sisters were Spencers. So they were all unmarried? No, did, what, one married Mr. One Hellstone. Married Mr. Hellstone. Ah, they had the shop. Okay. And the two sisters run the... And you could walk from the post office into the shop, which you can't do now, but there was a walkway like, because they're all one family. Which, the bit that is now the community shop, when I was growing up, was the post office. Yeah. And what was the shop is no longer there. It's part of it's the Kate house, Bristol House, isn't it's it? It's Kate Archibald's Kate Archibald's house. Archibald's yeah. house. Yeah. I love the way we're naming... Yeah, <laughs> naming people's houses. <laughs> well, it's the best way for people to know the geography, isn't it? <laughs> well, that's that's interesting, isn't it? The it's very... a bit like you were saying with the fish and chip shop being yeah. Katie Denny's. I can go right back. It was the Binnings. Yeah. <laughs> well, we can keep going back. Yeah. Now, I, I'm going to use another name now, which is uh, Lionel Pimpsel, uh, who sadly has, has gone on. But... He used to be my neighbour. Now, 
His father, I think, Gerald, had the shoe shop. And didn't you tell Mr. me... Mr. Sargent, his name was. That's right. And didn't... Well, well, you tell us the story. Didn't Lionel do something extraordinary in the way of supporting yes. the shop? He, he would go perhaps twice a month to Bristol, walk with a sack bag on his and bring back shoes. Walk up to Bristol and come back. On the same day? Yeah. He would walk? Yeah. Across he the Mendes? very good... Athlete then, he used to do a lot of running as well, and you're a good footballer. That's right. I remember him saying that he, um, and I think he had a rather sporty car. It sounds like he was a bit saucy, was our Lionel. <laughs> I, I, try to say, I, I can't remember Lionel driving the car, to be honest. Ah, well, he Might be a bit of a blank in my mind. Well, it might be. I think Lionel had some, had some interesting tales. Let's move that sideways slightly. Uh, one of the things I've always really loved about living in Draycott, apart from the wonderful people, is the Strawberry Fair, which unfortunately we've had to put on hold at the moment for COVID. Uh, and a little bird told me, Gerald, that you were one of the first people to, to start. One of the founder members, yeah. And that was formed in the Strawberry... When the Strawberry Special then? It was the Railway. Was the, the Railway. Alan, Sim Alan Simmons was the one who changed the name to the Strawberry Special. One of the landlords who bought it many years ago now. And um, it was a, about 11 or 12 of us in the little room and we decided to have a Strawberry Fair, something for the village in the summer. It was mainly to raise money for both the village hall and the, and the newly club. formed football club who had very little funds. So... Originally, to be on the Strawberry Fair Committee, you had to be on either the football club or the village, or hall. The village hall committee. And then there was a subcommittee made up of Strawberry Fair. And that stayed for quite a long time. You had to be on either or. Or you couldn't come on the Strawberry Fair Committee. Or you couldn't go on the Strawberry Fair Committee. No, Politics. <laughs> well, it seems fair, though. It, it was. It was. It seems fair. And how did that, how did that transpire in the way that, to start off with, was it just... A meal, or did you have entertainment? It, start, it started off with a, more or less a ploughman's meal in the evening, and that was supplied by Charlie Brennan and Sons from Webmore, which was a well-known baker. And he had rounds in Drake it, you know, delivering the bread in the wicker baskets. And we'd done that for three to four years, and then we started off trying to do it on our own, which we did. Went then to cold meats and salads and... And strawberries. And strawberries. Always have strawberries oh, and always cream strawberries. for the dessert. And I think in its biggest heyday, uh, I was on the committee then, and we served 650 on the that. Friday night. That was the most. I can't remember the actual... It almost came to tonnage, I think, of meat that was consumed on that Friday evening. It was massive amounts of meat that was all supplied, supplied by uh, Roly Chick at the time, a local butcher. And the entertainment and everything had moved on vastly as well. We, we even have Freddie and the Dreamers back in the day. The real Freddie and the, the Dreamers. The real Freddie yeah. and the Dreamers and also Adge Cutler and the Wurzels. Oh, well, you had the Wurzels? But we had twice. it with Adge Cutler. We had them twice. Once <gasps> when Adge was still alive and once, sadly, after he'd passed away. And the Searchers? Searchers, oh yeah, searchers. Yeah. So you had some really big stuff, didn't yes, you? Yeah. So that's when the, the dancing and the entertainment came in. Yeah. And, and mm. what about the comedians? Because you started then. Yeah, we had some good comedians. You, we used to have both. It was a sort of yeah. two-tiered entertainment. You'd have the the supper mm. and then a comedian and then a little free time where you could top up your drinks and then mm. the evening would end 
with some form of band and people dancing in the aisles. And Can I ask, was it always under canvas? Was it ever just done with trestle tables out in fields? No, no always, always under canvas. canvas. Okay, okay. And the loos got better, didn't they? Because they started off as quite basic, but towards yeah. the end we had some quite smart yeah. and kind of thing. Oh, yes. And there always seemed to be some couple having a an argument or... Um, yeah, I think a lot of alcohol used to get yeah. consumed. Yeah, there was often quite a lot of, let's say... There was a local gentleman, Dad will recall, um, <laughs> had had one too many one night and went out and it, it happened to several people where they trip over the, the guy ropes because the marquees in them days were the big canvas with guy ropes and big ropes and he um, grazed all his face as he slid rope down rope. the side of the rope with rope burn and I think he had some um, tongue pie, I think, at the end of the evening. <laughs> And all, I used to do the entertainment booking and all the groups we had, everyone, come from Apple County, which is a group based in Overstowing near Bridgewater or Taunton, and they used to do all our, get all our groups from Apple yeah. County. Well, they were really Don, good. Don and Sarah. They were a sort of agency for yeah. local entertainment. But it was fantastic, you know. I, I just, and another to... thing they'd done for us, during the summer, down at a big holiday camp, Breen Leisure Centre, they used to put on an entertainment afternoon down there for all the local groups to put on, or not the holiday makers could watch it, but we were invited down there, four or five of us, to see all these acts, and then we could book, well, that's, they go down well at the Strawberry Fair, so that's how we used to book them. So we you were talent work. spotting, Gerald? Yeah. You were talent spotting? Well, yes, we just got a, they invited us down there, Apple County arranged it. Yeah. And it didn't cost us nothing. No, and, uh, not. We used to go down there. Another thing we used yeah. to do, Tiggy, was in January to raise money towards the store, putting the strawberry fair on, yeah. was have what was called a winter warmer supper in the old hall. Um, for those that can remember, there was a very tiny kitchen with a freestanding four ringed cooker. And on that, we used to serve something like 100 people with a beef stew and a hunk of bread. And again, we'd have a comedian and a wonderful raffle because everybody had thrown their chocolates out mid-January mid that they no longer felt they should be eating. Again, wonderful night just to... Homemade doughboys. Homemade doughboys used to go in. Yeah, Tony Derrick used to make homemade mm. doughboys, which everybody wanted, didn't they? And the old hall, because we're name-referencing everything here, uh, is where Jackie Meldon yes. lives now. And I remember the old hall because it had a beautiful sort of uh, stained-glass window, didn't right. it? And when you, I used to walk past my dog in the evening and, and you'd see everybody dancing. I had my wedding reception there. Listen, guys, we must move on because I'd so love to just talk to you forever, but I'm, I have to do my job here. I'd like to go on to a slightly serious note, but hopefully not too serious. We're in the midst of COVID. Now, I know that the village has seen wars and it's seen tragedy, it's seen happiness. And I think, Gerald, I asked you earlier whether there was any comparisons at all in, oh, I don't know, a sense of kind of a sense of sort of pulling together because of COVID, you know, compared to to the wars. And you were talking to me about VE Day celebrations yeah. uh, that have been happening recently. Can you, can you tell me a little bit more about that? It was very nice to put it on, but we used to have the street parties previous, and we couldn't yeah. have that. 
Yeah, we'd always had street parties. Dad was actually at the first original the day party. Can you remember about the um, people putting together their coupons to make... To get the food. When, when food were rotten. So that goes back a little while. That was the, the first V-Day party in the street. But do you remember the village in wartime, Gerald? Yes, yeah, with the blackouts and everything. And how did it feel at those times? Well, it's a bit frightening. One of the main wardens was Mr Bill Miles. And he, he was a real character, but he was ever so really special. If he'd seen any light coming through the curtains, he'd tap on the window and make sure it was covered up, there was no light coming out. And he lived in Westfield Lane, the first house on the right-hand side going through Westfield Lane when you walk out for there now. Do you remember the planes coming over? Because, of course, yes, we're quite yeah. close to the sea here. We're quite, aren't we? So they, yeah. so this would have when been... When they bombed in Bristol, I can remember that plane to die. And am I right? Did a plane come down near here somewhere? We had a Spitfire crash in, in Drakeit Moor. Just past Nyland Hill, looking towards Nyland Hill, and an eight-acre field running up towards Nyland Hill from the Drake at Moor Drove. And um, do you remember that? What happened? Did people go down? It was a Sunday morning, and one local farmer, he went down, <laughs> down with a four-pound beat because he wasn't sure whether it was a German plane or no. I seen the pilot jumped out. I seen the parachute coming down, and I remember that. I was playing to die. I was in the back garden where Theresa Rooney lives now. The Carrot family lived in there. I was in there for Sunday morning and we could see the point. We hadn't seen it, um, you know, Parachute. parachutes then. That was, we'd seen the pilot coming down. Oh, and so, so then we all got on our bicycles then to cycle down in the moor to find out what, what happened. And what had happened? Was the pilot all right? Was he English? He was the Englishman, yeah, because the Germans never had no fit for him. No, of course they didn't, so that's me being, <clears throat> me being a wally, I should know that. And, and do you know what happened to the pilot? No, I don't, I can't answer that one, no. I think, actually, I have a feeling they did a documentary recently, yeah, didn't they? Yeah, I believe they, so, they? That they, because they were excavating down there, they actually found some of the implements, uh, instruments sorry, on the plane, didn't they, in, in the, the They ground. got the engine out, they got the engine out. Yeah, it's a Merlin, isn't it? Is it a Merlin? Spitfire engine? Goodness me, you're looking at me and I, I don't know. <laughs> All I know is it, it has sat down there, hasn't it, for mm. how many years before they... Yeah, excavated it for a long, long time. Which land is it on, Gerald? I could, if you walk down towards Drakeit Moor, to Drakeit Moor, you take Drakeit Moor Drove, the one on your right. First right. And you go down there and there's a field on your right called House Ground because there's a cattle barn up on a bit of a tump. Mm. And I've never seen that flooded. I've seen the ground all flooded, but I've never seen it go up high enough to get to that barn. Okay. Turn That's... left at the bottom and go along there. I'd have to count now, I might have lost my count. I would say about five grounds on your right-hand side. Mm. There's an eight-acre field, nice and flat, running like that. Yeah. And he runs straight towards Nyland Hill. Oh, I and know. And that's where he come down. I know what you mean. Can I just back They excavated a few years ago now. Uh, they come there and excavate a big machine and dug up the engine and that. They made a programme of it. Mm. Can I just get back a bit? Just one thing that I'd love to ask you about. 
the, the, the strawberry train that used to run here on the railway line, um, obviously it took up strawberries, and it took children to school, because I know Audrey Tunga right, used to... to school. That's oh, right, yeah. they used to go on that. Did it take any other passengers in an animal form? Yes, we used to put cattle on in the very early days, from the Mr. Arony up at Backham Farm. He used to bring cattle down, not milking cattle, beef cattle, and put them on the train to go off to... Well, Bristol Market or somewhere like that. Wow, that must have been a sign, yeah. going up on a steam train. So you'd have strawberries in one carriage and... and Cattle the rear one, yeah, but it's different carriage. We're coming towards the end of our, our chat, and I just so wish, Gerald, I could just sit here with a beer with you and talk forever, because I know that you are just a library of information um, to do with the village. But can I ask you a question? How has it changed? How has it changed since you have since you were a boy? Well, the population have changed more and more because we got really big now. I can remember all the houses in the village, all the people in the village, and all their addresses. And if a van used to come round then or anything and say, oh, do you know where? I could tell them exactly where it was to. So it massively grown over the period of time. It must have trebled and trebled again, I would thought, the population. But we only got the one village shop which was going to close if the local people only took it over and there's no other shops in the village. So we're after having all that. And we got a must we must have more than hundred percent more chimney pots, so I call it, but there was then. And we, and we can't we just got one little shop taken out taken over. I think that's I think that's true. Well I do you still feel though that there is a good sense of community? It may be different, but do you still feel a community sense here? Yes, but the men that players, they've pulled quite a few people They're the amateur together, dramatic and, group, and, that yep. and you've got the WI and ones like that, but, and we've got the British football team. We used to have a cricket team, I was one of the founder members of that, and that folded after many years. But there's a lot of new people in the village that, well, they don't mix with the village like the local, lo we used to all local people before. And some have took to the village and some just live here, say, oh, we live in the country. But they don't want to mix with village life. And we've got the same at Pretty. My son's on a committee up there. Mm. And he's got the same problem up there. It's just, I think it's a shame people want village life. And I think to totally embrace village life and get everything out of it, you have to, you have to be part of it. And I think it's very sad that people come in expecting things and then are not prepared to share. However, there are so many people that have come in and brought a lot to the village as well. I think that's right. And I think to leave it on a, on a high note, Gerald and Maria, uh, I know we only have one shop, Gerald, and I, and, and, and I think it is servicing a community. But what I have seen since that's been here for a year, you know, a Never in my time here in 20 years have I seen such a pulling together totally. of community in COVID yeah. through the shop and through other people who are going out shop and doing medical supplies. during the initial part of this pandemic. I think COVID has sort of, in a weird way, yeah. in a weird kind of warlike way, brought us back together. But we're going to have to leave it there. Okay. I just don't know how to thank you both enough for... for it's a pleasure. Yeah. Oh, Gerald. That's really kind. I'm welling up here a bit. But thank you so much for, for, for sharing the stories with, with Draycott Diaries. And may I wish you both many, many years of health and happiness ahead of you. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Over and out, Rob. <laughs>
Gerald, you are a total gentleman. Thank you. And a huge thank you also to Maria. I was the voice. My name is Tiggy. My brother Hugh arranged the music and the editor was Rob Elliott. Keep listening. Coming up for Christmas, we've got some lovely surprises. We have a video of the village in bright sunlight and hopefully that'll bring back happy memories. I'm also hoping I can bring you an exclusive, can't say any more, but it concerns a man in a red suit who likes reindeer. I say no more. Happy listening. (laughs) 